It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations at Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. So welcome to the BBC Country Farm Magazine podcast. Um, it's the last of 12 in season four. Uh, it's late autumn now. And um, it's a very still, lovely autumn day. I've decided to do one more podcast for the season. And then we'll be back in, well, around about early January for season four. Um, so we've got all over the country for this season. We've been up to Shetland and down to Cornwall. But this time I'm closer to home, uh, near my hometown of Abergavenny, and having a walk along the River Usk in autumn, just to see what's around. There's been some tremendous flooding of late. So I'm walking along from a little settlement called The Bryn, which is just off the A40 between Abergavenny and Monmouth. And from there you can get down to the river. Now the river's been, as I say, it's been a lot of flooding. It's been so much rain at the weekend and last week. And it's burst its banks everywhere. So I've walked through an area of pools and oxbows and marshlands. Uh, and I've just arrived at a sheep field. It's lovely, peaceful sheep field. No wind, bit of traffic on the A40. But I can see there's a pool in the field with maybe... There's seven, six swans swimming on it and about a hundred black, uh, black-headed gulls and one or two lesser black-backed lesser, uh, lesser black gulls. I uh, can't see what I... I don't have my binoculars with me today because my hands get too cold. Oh, I've, the black-headed gulls are just taking off. I've, it's annoying. I'm sorry, gulls. They'll be back. Obviously, these pools are attractive to them because they probably... 
I don't know, drown worms and they come up and eat, eat the worms. <laughs> One black-headed gull will not fly. He's just happy to stay there. Uh, there's a missile thrush in the trees. Now, so here it, it's, it's the um, valley of the River Usk, very flat, uh, with the odd little knoll of covered in trees. And the trees are right on the turn. I mean, they are mostly golden red, brown, orange. Uh, buzzard high above the trees on the opposite bank of the Usk. I haven't reached the... Um, as, a, as a way to reach the Usk. In fact, I've got a... Way, oh, there goes a mallard on the, the ponds as well. Uh, there's a bit of a way to get to... Uh, in fact, I've got a flood, some flood water to wade through to get to the footpath, uh, which is a bit interesting. Um, so here I am. I'm hoping that a still daylight today, once I get away from the road, I might get a chance of an otter on the river. Uh, a few sparrows. There's a little house here, a very beautifully designed house, maybe even a little farm, uh, which is all on its own. In fact, it's for sale. What a lovely place. Um, and it has this whole little bend in the river to itself. Now the bend is a massive bend in the river which is all being fenced off. It's more water than land at the moment and it looks like a sort of Pantanal so that's a sort of wetland grassland area of exciting creatures and there's a very grand house ahead on the opposite side of the river. Very grand. Three stories, about 15 windows at the front. I wonder what that is. Lots of grand houses around in Monmouthshire, tucked away. So I'm just squelching through the flooded field. The River Usk is a really wonderful river. It flows from Fan Brekinog, Brekinog, sorry, just west of Brecon. And it flows for 65 miles or so to Newport. It is a salmon, famous salmon trout river. So a lot of it is, um, a lot of the banks are owned or leased by angling clubs. It's, it's fast running. When it rains, it fills so quickly. It becomes, it, in summer, I could wade across it. Well, not even wade across it, paddle across it. In winter, it's this big brown boiling monster and uh, really quite a savage beast flooded all the low-lying fields around Abergavenny at the weekend and in fact the police had to close several bridges obviously it doesn't make the news because it's rural Wales but it was big news around here and where I am now I'm walking you can't see any trace of river but the fences are covered in detritus and there are logs and tree trunks and things strewn around the place so that it's the aftermath of a mini disaster here. don't know where the sheep would have gone. They must have found some high spots to escape the water. Hopefully the farmer was very alert and uh, got them to safety. But they're back out on this, what would have been underwater three or four days ago. But the river's already gone back down. It's still angry, but sort of more sort of um, mildly cross rather than full-on fury. But I've already seen Gusanda, little grebe, 
uh, some Canada geese on the water and there goes a buzzard out of a huge Douglas fir, just a couple of Douglas firs standing on the edge of this field. It's flying over me now. There's two ravens above it. Ravens and buzzards. And there is a heron flying. So you've got th three massive birds. No, hold on, that's not a... No, sorry, that's another buzzard. No, it's a red kite. <laughs> oh, bird identification skills are poor this morning. Um, so buzzard, red kite, there is a heron, uh, and two ravens. So I'm heading towards a road where I'm going to cross over the river and hopefully get to a nice quiet stretch, which I've never walked before, so it's going to be interesting. It's a big, big sort of bend in, in the river, um, right in the heart of Monmouthshire. So I'm approaching the most beautiful road bridge here. It's um, three large arches, but it's got some holes punched through, massive circular holes, which I guess help relieve pressure when the water is high. I've never seen anything like this bridge. Um, yeah, there's several holes, so I'm sure the water gets pretty high here. It's a superbly beautiful place. So I'm crossing this bridge very hurriedly. There's no walkway and there's a lot of large tractors around the place. I'm hoping I can get to the other side and find the footpath. Not all footpaths are easy to find in Monmouthshire, I've discovered. And uh, yeah, so the river is not big and brown, it's green today. So that's a more natural color for it. Uh, where do I find this footpath? Interesting. Here we go. Cross over quickly. So it's lovely tree-lined, lovely tree-lined stretch of river here. Very sad-looking horse chestnut. Looks on its way out with one of those uh, chestnut conker canker, some bleeding canker disease, which sounds dreadful and looks even worse when you. The usk here, all the way along actually, where it doesn't have trees along its banks, it's very worn with the fields are eroded and you can see that previous fence lines are now lost into the river. Huge dead tree. I don't think it's washed up here, but maybe it has. Yes, it probably has actually. Uh, there's that raw smell of sheep dung in the air. Now I'm passing some huge ash trees, none of whom have uh, Calara, the ash dieback. So that's hardening. Really massive ones. Some of these trunks are, they might be separate trees, but massive trunks on these trees. Beautiful. And the river has created some new islands, little grassy islands, which normally would be, most of the year would be perfectly uh, free. So you can hear the rush of the water now.
That is the song of the River Usk. Yeah, it's smashed up some willows. There are fences down. There's a lot of damage done with that flash storm last weekend. Yeah, well, most of us were watching the rugby. Rugby World Cup. The rain was pouring down and the river was sneaking out, well, not sneaking out, bursting out of its banks. Yeah, this is... Um... So, the River Usk, what I love about it is, for most of its length, it is completely rural. Really, only until it gets to um, Usk does it have anything along its banks of any sort of industrial nature. Uh, even at Abergavenny, it sort of skirts the town and it's divided from the town by wide flood meadows. Um, so, apart from the roads, you can really get away from it all, just walking along this river. And I hardly ever see anyone. So there's a flock of chaffinches here, just in these uh, alder trees here. They're obviously feeding on the alder. There's still green leaves on the alders. Alders loved, uh, as absolutely typical here, they have their feet in the water. So there's lots of alders lining the bank and some willows. So there's some interesting water bird call. High pitched, almost like a kingfisher. Some linnets calling. They're also in the chaffinch flock. Now along this path, past where I've just come from, there's a, lot, there's a strange mound about the size of a football pitch. Uh, but very distinctive man-made mound. There's chaffinches and linnets in these trees here. Um, actually a beautiful series of alders here, absolutely beautiful. So, um, strange mound. And so I looked it up on, a, on the Ordnance Survey map and it says, yeah, it has a Welsh name, Casteth Castle, Fortress, Casteth Arnald. Forgive my Welsh pronunciation. Um, so I thought, oh, that's interesting, a castle here, I wonder what the story is. So I looked it up, and gosh, it's such a tale, it's pro straight out of Game of Thrones. So it was owned by uh, lords of Overgwent, so they were Welsh native noblemen and women, and their leader uh, at the crucial period was the late 12th century. So Christmas, 1175, their leader after it had been in a long struggle with the local Norman lord, William de Breos, who had a castle in Abergavenny, four or five miles away. He, um, they'd been at a lot of tension between them, they'd been fighting, they'd been, been general bad temper. So William de Breos sent Cecil, lord of Overgwent, a message saying, Okay, let's bury the hatchet. Let's, um, why don't you come for Christmas at my castle in Abergavenny? And we'll, uh, as a, a woodpecker just went overhead into the, into the, um, 
alders. Why don't you come for Christmas and have a big of any? And Cecil, or Cecil, was, I don't know, clearly thought, well, okay, this is a good opportunity. He was struggling to hold on to his land, so he thought, well, if we become friends with William, form an alliance, we can stop this conflict and hold on here. Well, never trust William de Brose, because during Christmas, the Christmas festivities, he, once his guests were unarmed, he sent in his soldiers and slaughtered them all. And not only did he do that, he sent his another force to Cecil's, to Castell Anarth, where they quickly captured the castle and put the rest of Cecil's family to the sword and burnt the castle down. So that was the end of Castell Anarth and the end of the lordship of Overgwent. And... I mean, an absolutely colossal act of portrayal by the Norman, local Norman lord, I'm just climbing over a stile. Uh, so that mound is sort of, when I went back to that mound, I had, oh, two cormorants taking off. Two cormorants. They, it's odd to look at it and think, gosh, all that bloodshed. Real horrible Game of Thrones tale. Don't know what happened to William of Brayos. Maybe that's for a later later podcast. Hopefully he came to a sticky end. Most of them did at that time. There's a gigantic willow here. And some haw- hawthorn still with its berries. And um, there's a grey wagtail just popping along the river. So many, it's so thickly wooded here and interesting. Where there are trees, the river isn't eroded. They obviously manage the riverbank. It's such an obvious thing. The river is very broad. It's grey now. Very broad here. It must be 60 metres across, I would say. And yet, in the summer, my son and I could paddle. Across quite comfortably. That's just a gentle path. There's no one around. I doubt. Oh, that's a missile thrush. Oh, those football, those 1950s football rattles. This is flying. There's a sort of watery sunshine today. So check, check. Field fairs. First field fairs of the. Field fairs and red wings already here. I think that presage is a pretty tough winter. I've already been sent there. You can hear them going overhead. I think it's going to be a hard winter this year. Just got that report from Scotland already saying there's lots of snow on the hills. And what are we? It's 30th of October today. Yeah, red wings. A flock of red wings going over now. That's interesting that they're here. It feels really early. So this is a bit of a noisy spot. Um, actually, on the map it looks perfectly... It looks like it might be the most perfectly quiet place. It is the most beautiful. It's called Llewyn Corner. And it's, it's a right-hand bend in the river. 
where it's left a lovely stony beach. Um, when I approached just now, there were seven cormorants, which made an enormous racket, but I wasn't recording at the time. Seven cormorants just see, drying their wings. Um, there's a lovely mute swan just paddling in the flow like a ship of the line. So the river bends round on this side, no trees in this lovely beach. And on the other side, lots of willows and alders. Uh, I have heard a kingfisher as well. So, um, it's funny, someone has put a little seat here just to appreciate the, the swan is just gliding down the river beside me. Um, so while I feel remote and there's no people walking, uh, I do have quite a lot of company. There goes a sandpiper. Sandpiper. I wonder what that is. I don't know what that is. It's a wader. A sandpiper of some description, I think. I'll have to listen to that call later. But that was just on another of these little stony beaches. Now there are lots of... So in the sand, there's a sandy beach and stony beach. There are dog footprints, lots of bird footprints. I wonder if there's any other animals here. Not very good on my footprints, but... I mean, these might be badgers. So I'm walking across the stony beach, beach to some rapids. I'm just going to listen to the song of the river for a little bit. Mesmeric. So the sun is just beginning to really put a bit of strength out now. Certainly not as cold as it was. And it's just a lovely muddy path high above the river. Just a sort of bank of brambles between me and the river and the odd alder and um, willow. It's a lovely view back towards the Blorange above Abergavenny probably six miles away. But this river must have been absolutely out of control to have, it, it's dropped 10 feet at least. There's a flock of field fares and red wings here. They're just feeding in the... Yeah, they're feeding on whores, hawthorn berries. And there's a lovely sheep mown field. A heron flying low. It's obviously been feeding. A little egret feeding in the flood water. Little egrets are pure white. I wonder what they're feeding. Yeah, it's a little egret's just taken off, so. And a buzzard. So a flock of wood pigeons. Or are they stock doves? They're... They're stock doves. You don't see that many, but that's a flock of stock doves. 
probably the most overlooked birds in the British countryside. Now this is a really fascinating field ahead. Um, lots and lots of flood water and the egret and the heron were obviously feeding in the flood water so they're finding food. I wouldn't have thought it would be stranded fish. But small fish might so the sun's right out now. We've got a lovely long shadow. There's lots and lots of bird life here. Walking away from the river. Um, still got these field fairs everywhere. Buzzard. There's a dead tree right in the middle of the field and a live, huge live oak tree and a very dead oak tree. Uh, and one gull on second stretch of water in the field. It feels like no one will have walked down here for days. Just because it's a long way from any towns, villages. I can see distant houses peeking through. There's a couple of black-headed black gulls. Now let's see if there's any fish in this flood water. There's, there's ripples on the surface. Just never know be easy pickings for um, things like egrets and herons. It's just so weird to see this big lake in the middle of a field. So now I'm squelching in its margins. Egret flying by. Sorry egret. You'll be you'll be allowed back shortly. I'm wearing walking boots, but they're not 100% impervious to water. So, so far so good. But it's pretty much, to get to, to get to see into the water, I've got to wander, wade in a little bit. So there must be some tasty morsels here for, if a heron and a egret were here. I'm going to take a bit of a shortcut, uh, not follow the footpath, just because uh, I think there's some interesting... Well, it says there's a remains of a cross up here on my uh, audience survey map. Cross, remains of, in brackets. I wonder what that, that is. That's the lovely, curious thing about audience survey maps. There's all sorts of delights to be found. So, I'm walking now towards the Blorich, so there's a big hump of mountain ahead. Um, so I'm walking away from the river, west really. Uh, big hump of mountain. Ah oh, yes, so there's a little church. A strange little church tucked in the woods here. So I'm closing in on this church and there's an extraordinary little graveyard beside the church with monuments and all sorts. It might be worth a little look. A couple of wood pigeons go overhead. And there's a dog barking at this farm. But yes, this is extraordinary. So it's a, a little church right on its own in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I'm going to have a 
have a good look at it. So this is St Mary's Church. I had to climb over a stone stile to get into the churchyard. And it's a very rudimentary church really, not, doesn't look particularly old. It's got two bells exposed on a little bell tower. And then there's this cross here, remains of a cross. Huge yew tree, sycamore going a beautiful colour. And the beech tree beside it. Lots and lots of old stones. I've got a few new headstones here. So what's the significance of this cross? Is it particularly old? I don't know if we can go in the church. It looks like there's some, some very unusual Celtic headstones. In fact, a lot of the headstones are these Celtic crosses here. It's a particular style for this churchyard. A Celtic cross. And some quite Celtic writing. But there's just a whole whole flock of them. There's someone walking their dog in the churchyard. There are signs all over the church saying this is protected. Um, thieves beware. Can you go in? You can go in. Ah, oh, for key, please ring. It's no longer in use for regular worship, but it's still a consecrated building. Sin. The historic church is now in the care of the friends of friendless churches. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> A table of kindred and affinity, wherein whosoever are related are forbidden by the church in Wales to marry together. <laughs> mother, daughter, father's mother, mother's mother, son's daughter, daughter's daughter, sister, oh, it goes on and on and on. Son's daughter's husband, oh my goodness. So nothing about the strange cross in the churchyard. So I just met a thoroughly lovely lady walking a dog in the cemetery here. And she said that the Celtic graves belong to the Crayshaw family. Crawshaw family? Iron. Uh, the people who owned the ironworks. Ah, so it's, this is a 14th century churchyard cross. It was restored in 1912. Wow, 14th century. Um, so yeah, the Crayshaw family have these distinctive Celtic crosses and there's still one member of the family living nearby. So the ironworks are in Blenavon on the other side of the Blorange. And it's often the case that the wealthy mine owners and ironworks owners lived on the green northern sides of the, of the mountains while their workers while the workers lived in tightly packed cottages in the smoggy pits. Plus a change. Yeah, anyway, it's a lovely, peaceful spot, this churchyard. Back over the stars. So I'm going to follow, oh, follow a lane, very quiet looking lane, back to the bridge I crossed earlier, and then I'll wander back to the Bryn where I started and see if we can find other little points of interest along the Usk in this part of the world. Right, so I've been a little bit naughty. Uh, footpaths are a bit all over the place around here along the river. And there's one that's sort of point, stuck to the side of a tree that sort of points away from the river 
Well, it's a shame not to walk along the river, isn't it? Gosh, the world's loudest tractor. Look at Jet taking off some of these tractors. <laughs> it's a detractor from my enjoyment of the day. Yeah, well, it was a kind of one of those modern beasts that scalp the countryside bare. Anyway, the detractor is heading off and I am now on a lovely bluff beside a big bend in the river. A cormorant just took off in front of me. There's a lot of cormorants here. A lot of uh, farmers, sorry, a lot of anglers, a lot of fishermen on uh, the Usk get very upset about cormorants and their fish-eating ways and they think that they clean the river out of fish which is one of those debates which you know, there have always been cormorants, there have always been fish-eating birds but we've kind of degraded the habitat to such an extent and I've spoken to fishermen about this and they would say well if, if everything was perfect then it would be fine to have cormorants and other fish-eating predators but uh, yeah, fine to have them but they put too much extra pressure because the fish are already struggling with things like pollution and uh, the degradation of their bankside habitats and things like that. But it's a bit tough on the cormorant because it's getting the oh, rough end of, the, of, a, of a deal, of a bad deal caused by us. Now the banks here are so eroded Again, it's where there's no big trees. Now, it looks like some planting of smaller trees has gone on, but it might be too late to save this bank. Uh, it's like a JCB has just bitten chunks of soil and meadow, pasture, and just thrown it in the river. On the far bank, there's sort of willowy islands just heaped with detritus from the recent flood floods. Fair play to the willows, they seem to be unscathed. And a flock of gulls going overhead. Probably black-headed gulls. Just drifting on the silent sky. Uh, so I can see the Skirid mountain to the north. The peak of Sugarloaf northwest and directly west is... Blorange, the three peaks of Abergavenny. The river, the boiling green grey river. But the river doesn't look friendly at the moment. You'd be in a lot of danger if you fell in. I'm right on the edge of it. Try not to, if you hear a big splash, that's me going in. but I'm not going to. not going to give you that satisfaction. That'd be fun for a podcast. Ending with a splash and then a rather sorry message at the end. They, they pulled him out at Newport. Uh, he was still happy, but rather waterlogged. So I'm going to cross this field, breaking all the laws, uh, not following the footpath. So if we get a good, uh, oh, some skylarks, I think, zizzing, zithering in the, yeah, there's a skylark, two of them.
that's just a contact call. It's not there. Full. If you listen to some of the podcasts earlier in the year, particularly on Martin Down in season two, there's an epic evening chorus of song thro- uh, skylarks, and oh, that was heaven. Now I'm heading back through a place called Lambangal Gorbayan. Uh, Gobian, Lambangal Gobian. Um, no one has taught me how to say that. So apologies, but it's um, so getting near the A40 again. So apologies for the road noise, but it's a very interesting place here. I'm trying to work out what those birds are. I can see them. Um, it's annoying. I normally. very waterlogged landscape full of this feels like the old path of the river it's got a feel of that and there's banks here which protect some of the more valued woodlands yeah i I didn't recognize that high-pitched bird um I think what it would be. It's very familiar. It'll be something that uh, everyone's seen. And there's a hawthorn up ahead covered in mistletoe. Reachable mistletoe. So it might be worth returning to this tree for a little few snippets for the Christmas period decorating the house. Um, yeah, interesting. Mistletoe dripping all over it. You don't often see it on Hawthorne. Much more common on um, orchard trees, apples and pears and things. Wow. That is fantastic. The white berries are just incredible. But yeah, really waterlogged landscape here. Full of old meanders of the river, which fill up when it floods. Probably stay full. There's probably a really good place for frogs and newts water beetles and things in the in spring late winter come back here in two or three months time after Christmas and see what's happening maybe February would be the best time um, yeah really so it's all fenced off and there's quite a lot of it this huge weapon uh, must be 100 acres or something maybe more this buzzard just taking off. Um, and that's, I'd love to go in there and explore. Again, I, I'm not trespassing anymore. I'm, uh, I'm uh, on a legit footpath. And that's, but uh, maybe I can ask the landowner's permission. It looks like it might be somewhere where people go shooting wildfowl and things. Beautiful day now. Absolutely beautiful day for walking. I couldn't hope for a more beautiful view that I've got right now. Sunlight on the water, sparkling off the water. Sound, a seething sound of water over stone. A couple of swans on a little back backwater, and I think there's a mallard there. 
Uh, looks like Canada Goose. Mountains. Gentle farmland. And the A40, but can't have everything. Very eroded. Clearly a lot of damage done by the floodwaters here. So I've come right down to the water's edge to get the song of the River Usk. It's a lovely place to finish this beautiful autumn morning's walking. So this is the last in the season, season three, the last of 12 episodes. We'll have season four beginning in early January, probably the first week of January 2020. Um, I really hope you've enjoyed this season. Uh, we'll be probably recording a Christmas special, but please do listen to some of the... We've, we've created 36 podcasts this year. I think there's some really special moments in there. Please do send us ideas, and if you have any thoughts or comments on this podcast, please email me at editor at countryfile.com. I really like receiving um, messages. If they're suitable, we'll print them in the magazine. And in the meantime, do head to our website, countryfile.com, for all your countryside needs, stuff about the TV programme, walks, holiday ideas, and countryside news, all of the, all the big news we cover there. So, um, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast and to all the others we've, we've produced, and I uh, hope to have you back in January. Bye-bye now. Bye.